crying to me, as I said before, like when I was at my own granny's funeral when I was a young kid, I remember standing there looking at her. We were awakening the, the body uh, up in the bedroom and everybody was crying uncontrollably like, and I was standing there and I remember looking around at people and going, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, you know, why can't I, like, I don't feel anything here. That's Jody Kennedy, and this, my friends, is the Yoga Life Podcast. What's up, Yoga Lifers? Can I say that now? Or do I, can I give this tribe of people that listen to this podcast a name, an official name? I think the Yoga Lifer sounds pretty good. So we'll, we'll go with that. We'll test, test it out anyway. Hope you're keeping well. Hope you had a good week. Um, in Ireland now, it's, it's pretty cold. So I hope you're keeping warm and not getting fluey. Uh, if you listen in Australia, I hope you're not getting sunburnt. You know, just basically look after yourself no matter what the weather elements are. This week I have with me Jody Kennedy. He is, it's hard to explain Jody or describe Jody, describe Jody, should I say, because he's a man of many talents. He is passionate about ancestral health and fitness, but how I know him is through going on his rewilding of man retreat. If you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen that about four months ago, five months ago, I went to meet a bunch of men uh, on a hillside, crack of dawn, to carry rocks, to run up hills, to wrestle, to be submerged in cold water, to beat our chest, to um, chant and get rewilded. So Jody was the guy who organized that. That's his idea. And um, since then, last month, just before Christmas, we did a... Uh, winter solstice where I brought my girlfriend it was a mixed group men and women and um, had the shock of my life when um, we jumped into the Irish Sea Irish Sea Irish Sea in December and um, yeah that's that's an, a, an event I won't forget but Jody's um, real interesting he was in the military before he's went to Peru had an amazing ayahuasca experience and um, I think I love his story he's got a great voice as well I said to him, Jody, man, you've got to start a podcast with that voice. He's got a real gravitas in his voice, and uh, he also he's also got a very uh, authentic Dublin accent. So if you want to know what a Dubliner sounds like, Jody's your man. So without further ado, here's Jody. What's up, Jody? What's happening, brother? How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Very good. Very good. Welcome, welcome to the pod. What do you think? It's It's fabulous. <laughs> It's a wonderful <laughs> setup. This thing in my face is quite intimidating. <laughs> That's the microphone you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, so uh, we were just talking about, before we hit record, authenticity. And yes. I think I think like that is why podcasting is becoming so popular, because people want to hear uh, an authentic message. Um what would you, you know, I was chatting to my girlfriend yesterday, I said, oh, Jodie Kennedy's, because she, she met you on the, our latest excursion. Mm-hmm. I said, Jodie's coming to the, on the podcast on Monday. She goes, what does he do for a living? I said, he is a, <laughs> so I said, you're a personal trainer. Is that fair? Yeah, so I do, yeah, I've got multiple facets going on. Yeah, this is always like, so I do, <laughs> yeah, I do 
train people one on one. Um, I obviously do the man, um, focused stuff that that we've done. So day day retreats and and hopefully moving into longer, more immersive stuff. Um, and I do a lot of corporate work on on the other side of that. So corporate mm. seminars and and um, all of that type of thing, talks and seminars and training as well. You know, mm. going into big corporates and doing that type of stuff. So that's I can't talk about that stuff as much because it's all. <laughs> non-disclosure you're not allowed to really talk about it too much so mm. that's something i don't like get to put out there that much but yeah i do quite a lot of that stuff actually mm. so but i think it's interesting you, you say multifaceted or multidisciplined because i think that is the way the world is going now there mm. isn't just one job you do i think it's important to have many skills and be be able to diversify like the days of having one job for life is over yeah and i think if you can't especially in your line of work if you can't um if you don't learn how to market yourself how to do other things um then you're you're really limiting it yourself um but the, the what i what the reason why i wanted to chat to you is i listened to your podcast with a lost man standing and um i i really do feel like men's mental health is a men's actually men's health yeah. in general is is sometimes overlooked especially in the world of yoga a lot mm -hmm. of people listen to this are yoga teachers or yoga practitioners and g give them an idea okay so i went on your your uh, rewilding of man before christmas and i have to say it was one of the most demanding things i've ever done it really was it put it it was but i wouldn't shut up about it for about a month afterwards every person i met i was just like bending their ear about it what would you what, what is it for the for the someone who hasn't done it so the rewilding of man i suppose like how that came about is is when i originally i got into fitness and and was training and like the further you get into something, the more you realize how big it is, if that makes sense. So like if, if you're on the right path, as you progress in something, it should start to get bigger rather than get smaller. So you, like you should start to see how you're never gonna achieve mastery of something. And with fitness, it was kind of, as I got into it, I started to realize that, it, <laughs> like if I want people to stick to a program or stick to a diet or, whatever the the long-term goal may be the real focus is on like mental discipline and on even like the spiritual aspect of being able to to stick to something you know what i mean of having the resolve to see something through and i start to see that you can't separate mental physical and the, the spiritual side of there they are all the one thing you know um so if you want to if you want to stick to a program or if you want to become functional and fit like you've got to look at all aspects of it mm. or it's not something that you're going to maintain into the long term so that was initially kind of how i started to think a little bit differently and that came from i suppose martial arts originally um when i was younger and then looking at fitness through that lens as well and the rewilding of man thing was like after I went to, after I went off to Peru, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit, um, and had a little bit of a, an awakening, I suppose, 
about myself and about my inability to to do certain things as a man and how society and how we are just conditioned to to stuff emotion down and and on the one side and then on the other side in modern society it's very uncool in a lot of ways to be masculine you know mm. um and I have both sides of that because I grew up in a single mother household, you know. My mother brought the two of us up, two boys, two little lunatics. And and so I have that, like, softer side, you know. I've spent a lot of time around females and obviously my mother was a, a, big, uh, a big figure growing up, you know. But at the same time, I always sought that masculine side of things and I think that was why, like... I went into martial arts and that was why I, I went to the army was I was looking for these masculine role models maybe to a certain extent and, and like yeah I was searching for something that I could imitate to, to a certain degree you know mm. um, and I didn't necessarily find it in those places you know mm. uh, without sounding too foo-foo where, where I found that was in myself when I when I went away and I actually took a deep look inside of myself mm. and realized that you know masculinity is part of of what we are you can't remove masculinity from men just like you can't remove femininity from women um, and I don't see a lot of outlets for that now and I think this maybe is a big part of why we have so much trouble with with mental health with men mm. you know and um, coupled with the with the fact that people there's a certain point of view of like, you know, suck it up and get on with it. It's, it's very hard for men to talk about this stuff and, and kind of open up even to their closest friends. Mm -hmm. So the rewilding of man was like a, a amalgamation of a, a lot of different angles. And like the man side of it is just, that's where I feel semi-qualified to, to like, with women, I don't feel like I haven't gone through that experience as a woman. So I don't feel like I can talk as confidently or, mm -hmm. you know, as clearly about that. But from the male side of things, like I've been that guy who was unable to, you know, cry at my own granny's funeral. I'm wondering what was wrong with me. I've been the guy who's, you know, had trouble supporting friends when they were going through emotional times. Um, and I've come through that and kind of, I would hope that I have evolved in that regard. Mm. Uh, um, so I feel that I can maybe help guys to, to see that side of things a little bit more mm -hmm. and that, you know, expressing emotion doesn't necessarily make you weak. It makes you stronger mm. in the long run, you know? And it's one of the hardest things to face down is your own shit, yeah. essentially, you know? So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Does it? <laughs> and absolutely, the the because my experience of that event was carrying the sandbags, running, with, wrestling, the, the cold water immersion. It was stuff that so the the physical stuff just test made me feel good because I I like that physical exertion. I'm not the most masculine guy, um, like archetypal mas masculine guy, but my dad is a a carpenter i mean he built this loft uh, like from he did everything in this loft um and when i was younger 
my how I bonded with my dad because we're so we so um, we couldn't be more different. So how I bonded with him was to help on the building site. And his dad was a farmer. His dad was a farmer. Farmers, farmers. So they're all physical lifting, carrying stuff. So when I we used to be when I was younger and I'd help my dad on the building site. If I got a splinter in my finger or a callus, I'd be like, really proud of it. Yes, you know, I'm a, I'm like my dad. Yeah, you know, and uh, and that. So when I'm lifting things and doing things that I don't get a chance to do in everyday life, it makes it gives me that connection to I don't know what, but it makes me feel like. Uh, I'm, oh man, this sounds like almost like as good as my dad or mm. something like that. Because uh, I was, exp- and also, so you have the physical side in your in your um, in your reward of man. You also have the the bonding side, like we were slapping each other on the back and doing chanting and breathing. And because it was in that in that setting, if it was in a yoga class, I think a lot of guys would be uncomfortable with it. Mm. Because it was in that setting, it felt was way more comfortable doing it. And then um, you have the um, emotional side, like the way a lot of the, when I went there, I think it was Mark, he was like, what's up, brother? And I was, I was like, uh, oh, hello, brother. You know, everyone called each other brother. And I was like, this is pretty cool. You know, I, I actually like that. I'm just not used to it. Because um, I was saying to my girlfriend, maybe it was like two days ago, I was saying how I have aggression inside me that I need to get it out. And that made me sound like a complete psycho. But I think a lot of men or people do. And I need that outlet. That's why I used to love jiu-jitsu. And when I do let that aggression out, maybe aggression is the wrong word. No. I don't don't think so. You don't think so? No. But it's a dirty word now. I don't think we need to be ashamed of it. Like aggression is, is something everybody has to deal with, you know? I think because we associate, or I do, I associate the word aggression with violence. Mm. And they're not the same, uh, but I think. Do you think that's a, um, a, a quite a common association people would make? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's like aggression, dominance. You know, those things are, are things that we think of as as negative things. Mm. But if there's a burglar coming through the door, aggression is is a great emotion to have at mm. that point. Or if you've got to push through something that that it's hard to push through, you know? Well, I mean, even the progress of humanity, it requires when you're doing a task that you don't want to do, whether it be redesigning the website or mm-hmm. inventing the wheel, it, it, a bit of aggression helps you to keep going when you when you don't want to. Um, what? So going back to you, you referenced Peru, before you went to Peru, you were in the you were in the Irish Army. Is that right? Yeah. Or is it the British Army? No, it's the Irish Army. Okay, yeah. sorry. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so, t- talk to me about how you got into that. Well, uh, ever since I was a young boy, I was obsessed with weapons, <laughs> and I was obsessed with with um, military things, soldiering tactics all of that stuff as a, as a kid like my, when I I think it was a couple of years ago my mom said to me I think it was at Christmas time we were sitting down chatting you know and we were we were talking about old stuff and she said uh, me and your father we were really happy when you got into the army when you joined the army because we knew that you were going to get your hands on guns one way or another (laughs) and I said I was like oh I'll take that as a compliment but I think you know 
what she meant was that I had a certain amount of aggression and I had, uh, like, I needed an outlet for that side of myself, you know. And while other people were filling in the CEO forms and, and <laughs> going to college, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and I had no interest in going to college at that stage. And I went straight into the army. And, you know, the army served as a... It served as a good rite of passage for me as a young man because I was probably a little bit wild um, and I probably was a little bit disrespectful of authority and I didn't like being told what to do and the army kind of taught me to just shut up and do what I was told, um, mm. which was not a bad thing, you know? And it served as a, a rite of passage in, in regards to, like, it gave me a real self-confidence in my own ability to, to push through and stick things out when, when the going's bad, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think I did go in as a boy and I came out as a man. Like, that's really the way I felt. I think that's missing for a lot of people now, for like men especially, like this rite of passage or, or some kind of test because you learn a lot about yourself when you go through these things, mm -hmm. you know, and it gives you confidence. Like, even on our, our day... You said it was one of the one of the most physically demanding things you've done. Yeah, well, you probably learned something about yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, is that you're in when you're in moments of high stress and you don't know if you can. You know, you're questioning yourself, and that that self doubt starts to creep in. And it's a real skill. It's a muscle to learn how to control that. You know, and, mm -hmm. and keep driving on. Definitely. And when you do it, it gives you a real sense of accomplishment afterwards. You know. Mate, I was elated. I mean, I. Um, I said to my girlfriend, I was like, it's funny how when me and her go for a run, I get tired after about 15, 20 minutes. I, I'm not used to running that much anymore. But it's amazing how your mind can be so powerful if it, when, it, when it needs to be. And just that alone is enough of a takeaway from a, an event like that. Um, so how long were you, were you in the army for? I was 12 years in there. Wow. Yeah, probably a little bit too long, to be honest. Um, because as a young man... Like the first five years, I really enjoyed. Very physical, especially the first like year or two when you're going through that boot camp phase and it's just like really physically demanding. And I really enjoyed that actually. That was my favorite part. Um, but after you come out of that phase, then you go to barrack life and barrack life is a little bit boring, to be honest with you. So like mm. there's no soldering going on. You're essentially just they're trying to find jobs for you to do and you end up going on courses and applying for courses just to get out of that like barrack life you know so it tends to get a little bit monotonous after that you know mm. so I, I after five years I probably should have left but I went to college and would they pay they pay for your college they pay you while you're in college I should say so you owe them time then back so I did four years and I owed them four years back okay um and that's the way it goes. When you when you owe the army, there's no getting out, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you went to Peru after that. I went to Peru just before I left the army. So it was like I was due to leave in, I think it was May, and I went to Peru in February. Mm. Uh, Why Peru? Well, Peru is the home of ayahuasca which is the whole <laughs> reason that i went I thought, to that, that. I thought yeah that's, <laughs> i didn't want to assume uh and you, you were in Peru for three years 
No, 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 oh, sorry. no, 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 no. I was, I was in Peru for a month. <laughs> I wasn't in Peru what, for what? three years. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay, you're in Peru for a month. So I went, I went to Peru to a center for for five weeks mm. to to uh, a guy called Don Howard Lawler. He was a, an ayahuasquero. He's originally trained as a Native American shaman down in. New Mexico somewhere I think and, and worked his way through South America um, and sampled the medicines you know he's like a peyote shaman uh, he's an ayahuasquero he's a Wachuma shaman which is the San Pedro cactus um, and he runs an amazing center down in, in Iquitos in Peru it's right in the Amazon basin mm. um, and I'd say thousands of people have probably been through this center and I heard about that through a couple of different people and I wanted to go to a place that was respected and because there's a lot of messing going on now with with this ayahuasca kind of tourism so you just need to be very careful about where you go so I did I did a lot of research and picked the right place mm. um, and I headed down there for five weeks tell us about it then what was ayahuasca like <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a very interesting process how, how does it actually work like what do you drink tea or how's it go yeah so you make you make the brew it's made from two essentially main parts one is a vine which contains an mao inhibitor so you have monoamine oxidase which is an enzyme in your stomach that breaks down the active component, which is DMT, dimethyltryptamine, dimethyltryptamine, which is what gives you the psychedelic experience. But we have a natural inhibitor in our stomach that, that kills this. So grass, leaves, thousands of plants are loaded with DMT, but we can't access it because our stomach acid breaks it down. Hmm. Yeah. So the actual vine is the MAO inhibitor. So it's the thing that stops our our stomach acid breaking DMT down. So you mix these two in a brew and they boil it up for 24 to 48 hours and then you drink it and it tastes like ass. It's horrible. Like It's <laughs> really, really bad. Like um, when you drink a sizable cup of it as well, it force it down. Mm. But um, it's all very ritualized and ceremonial which I think is a big part of why it's so effective, you know, mm. in, in helping people. But the experience itself is, is varying depending on the person. So for me personally, the experience was quite introverted. A lot of people have very, very visual experiences and they go on, on, you know, wild journeys through different dimensions and all kind of things happen. But for me, it was very introverted process. It was more somatic. It was more feeling and mind than actual visual, if that makes sense. Mm. It's hard to explain. It was more mind. Than vi well, it was more like a feeling than, okay. than okay, yeah. a yeah. visual process, mm -hmm. you know. And there was a lot of visuals, like there was a lot of visual aspects to it but mm -hmm. um it takes maybe an hour to an hour and a half for the the medicine to start working 
and then you start purging, which is a fancy word for puking and crapping. Oh, yes, yeah. Well, not always both. Um, not always one or the other either. It depends on the person again. Uh, but the purge is yeah an interesting part of it. Like so, the I think the purge like part of it really like brings it on. So when you start to purge, it it, it starts to get much more intense. You know what I mean? And, and you start to hear people popping around you like so that it kind of you drink the medicine you're sitting in it's all done in like old it's, they call them malocas like they're circular huts with grass roofs and kind of you're sitting there in the dark with the altars lit and it's very ceremonial they're chanting they've got specific songs that they sing to like communicate with the plants and bring this stuff on and they kind of control the space very well but you start to hear people going one by one, you know, and you know, it's coming for you soon, you know what I mean? <laughs> so initially I I was very, I feel like I wasn't like quite open. So the first ceremony I drank and I didn't really get anything. So I don't think I was quite like in the right place. And then for the second ceremony, I remember asking Don Howard, I said, I, I like I, I'd like to have some more if it's possible. So I remember him filling up like a double the amount that I'd had on the first one, mm. and uh, I choked that down. And in that ex that ceremony, I went way too far. So it was too much. It was like I just, yeah, it was just too much of a shock to my body, and I was puking and purging and and. I remember there's guys outside they take care of you like um, helpers you know and you call it baño which means toilet basically <laughs> if you need help and they come in and take you outside and uh, what, they had to carry you because you're so they like, basically up. had to carry me yeah. I was walking and then I would just like it's hard to explain like this <clears throat> the fract the, the images and the, the visions that you have are very fractal kind of Aztec-y style uh, visuals. It's, it's very hard to explain. Mm. It's like it's like reality fragments into just multiple thousands of like kaleidoscopic type images. Wow, yeah, that's cool. It's crazy. <laughs> but like I'm trying to walk out and these guys are trying to help me and I'm just like, this just comes down across your eyes like a tapestry, like and you just like are dropped into it. And then I would wake up and I'd be like doubled over like on the floor and they'd be trying to help me up and then I'd try to walk again and it would just, it would hit me again, you know, and it was really intense. And like after that ceremony, I was kind of scared then to go back in. I was like, oh shit, what the fuck have I got myself into here? Like it's, this is hardcore. And I remember I rang home, I rang Aoife, my wife, and I was like, uh, I don't, there's nothing kind of happening, you know what I mean? I don't feel like I'm not getting, because I had expectations in my head of what to expect, you know, and it was all very like, I'm going to go here and drink and then everything's going to be hummingbirds and butterflies and <laughs> I'm going to get the answers that I need, you know. But um, unfortunately, things don't work that way. So I remember ringing Eva and I was kind of like frustrated a little bit and I was saying, I, I don't feel like anything's happening. I don't know if this is for me. We were chatting. Um, and then I just like broke down in tears like and just from nowhere like I just 
and I cried like, Jesus, I cried for hours that day, like just uncontrollably after being on the phone. And um, I was like, all right, maybe there is something going on here. Maybe there is something at work here. Because like crying to me, as I said before, like when I was at my own granny's funeral, when I was a young kid, I remember standing there looking at her. We were awakening the, the body uh, up in the bedroom and everybody was crying uncontrollably like, and I was standing there and I remember looking around at people and going, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, you know, why can't I, like, I don't feel anything here. And I remember my cousin saying to me, like, how come you're not, you didn't cry uh, at the funeral? And I kind of felt real weird about it, you know, I was kind of like, I don't know. Were so you close to her? Yeah, very close to her, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, somebody put it very well and they called it emotional constipation. <laughs> okay, so it's not like that. You don't want to feel the feelings. It's like you've conditioned yourself to to shy away from that, you know. Mm. So as if you if you perceive emotion as weakness, when it comes at you, you're gonna you're gonna put up your defenses, and that's exactly the way it felt. So to me, expressing emotion was weakness. Mm. So I just shut it down. I think a lot of men do this; mm -hmm. is they just like the walls go up and they don't want to experience the feeling of the emotion mm. and they just shut it away. Mm. But then it becomes impossible to access that then when you, if you ever need to access it, you know? Mm. So it's not there and that can be very frustrating. Mm. It takes a long time to kind of open that back up again. So that was like, I, I hadn't cried really in a long time and that day I cried for hours and I remember thinking okay maybe there is something going on here you mm. know um, and the ceremonies after that were were much more um introspective and kind of i got a, i got a lot from the from the other ceremonies that i did after that you know mm. but those first two were kind of a real jar and like nothing and then too much and then i kind of recalibrated after that a little bit i think and and kind of got a lot more from it you know mm. so um you, you know what's funny is that it's i wonder i think ayahuasca sounds to me like it definitely works it does because the reason why it's so popular but i wonder how much of it is a placebo effect obviously the the there's like if you were just to drink it on its own and uh have no ceremony i wonder how effective it would be the fact that they make it you know, there's an altar almost and there is a whole ritual behind it and there you, you feel like there is a process going on here and it's a little bit like um, I feel like alcohol does that for men on a much smaller scale but more accessible scale that they can have a beer and speak how they actually want to speak and often it's it's in a guise through sport you know they'll ex express their inter their dissatisfaction with their football team or whatever but they're really talking about their life you know, and um, I, I, I want to actually share something with you, um, and it's very topical because I just came back from the park. I was uh, using this new calisthenics rigs they've put in the local park, and there's a guy there. Hopefully, he might be listening to this podcast. Hopefully not, <laughs> but it's because this is quite awkward. Um, he, I, maybe like four months ago in the summer, five months ago, I was exercising out in the park, and this guy comes over, and he's like. Hey, how are you? I thought, what? 
uh, I'm fine, yeah. And I was had my headphones on. I was working out. Had kind of brought like some like hip hop music on. I was feeling a bit aggressive. I didn't want to speak to anyone. When people disturb me in the park, I actually don't like to speak to them because I'm I'm in a kind of aggressive mood. Oh, yeah. And I just like to get my my thing done. And I, anyway, so he he says, "How are you? Um, oh, can I um, use your rings as well? They were the the Olympic rings." And I, I I reluctantly allowed him to use the rings, and. It, as my adrenaline was kind of wearing off, I realized that he just wanted to speak to me. He just wanted to like speak to another man in the park. And he was, the fact that he was foreign made it a bit more um, understandable. If he was another English Irish guy, I think it was a bit odd. But um, he, it was like he was a 10 year old boy speaking to another 10 year old boy or a five year old boy like, oh, can I play with your toys? So because he was an adult man, I was thinking he either wants to mug me or date me I don't, <laughs> like you know he fancies me or something um you know i i was so the fact that he could just want to speak to me as a man was unusual so i'm ashamed to say this i actually lied to him i said um he said he said do you live around here i says no i don't live here i live in england just I was, <laughs> I was so freaked out i said i'm just here for the weekend and i thought i'd use these come down to the park and um, and then um, he he was really really lovely guy. He says, "Oh, maybe we'll work out again together or something." And I said, "Oh, well, I don't live here, so see you later." And normally I'm not like that, but just because that situation. And then today, <laughs> five months later, I'm in the park and I bump into him. <laughs> I know, and he's using, and he's he's there, and he says, um, "Oh, I thought you you lived in England." I said, "Oh, I live here now." and Actually, I I I've been living here all the time. You know, I am English, and just I didn't go into details as to why I lied. But um, <laughs> yeah, th this guy, he's such a lovely guy, and I had time to think about that encounter five months ago, and real, and I said it to my girlfriend, and she said, "Was he like Polish?" I, said, I think he was actually. She said, "Yeah, they tend to be really friendly, mm. like because." Um, and I think they they serve in the military as well. They have compulsory military, and that means they're more open to chatting to other men and get and I thought man shame on me you know f that mm. I was so closed-minded to um, his intentions and um, yes yeah, so I took his phone number today <laughs> I was like yeah I would I'll, I'll text you next time I'm down the park but um, <laughs> set up a mandate uh, set up a mandate yeah <laughs> would, would, would you make it that? I think maybe a lot of that is cultural, you know, and like Irish and English people are much less open to um, interacting with strangers, for mm. sure, like than other nationalities. Like uh, you look at Italian people and French people, even even look at like outdoor training culture in other countries. Irish people, you like it's getting more popular now, but it's very rare you'd catch someone like out at an outdoor rig like that doing a workout because they feel like other people are looking at them more. Mm -hmm. I think that's a real cultural thing with Irish and English people, and we're getting out of that. Like we're 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 growing out of that, and that obviously comes probably from Catholic Church or, or you know British oppression or whatever it may be. I don't know, but but. There definitely has been that thing there, and probably interacting with strangers is a part of that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he was a guy, you know, you're like, why is this guy doing something out of the ordinary, approaching me? It's natural to think, you know, 
in a defensive manner, <laughs> kind of. But it's unfortunate that we do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is. Yeah. Like I don't think you need to you need to be ashamed of of <laughs> doing what you did. If if for any reason that like I always say, listen to your instincts. So if you if you're if you're doing something, if you feel weird about a situation, you know, go with your gut on it. Because who knows? Maybe he does want to chop you up and put put you in his freezer, <laughs> <laughs> put your head on his mantelpiece. <laughs> yeah, it, it it did make me think that like um, you know I I need to be a bit more um, just give people the benefit of the doubt in in yeah. But it is because he was a big mm-hmm. um, guy, and if it was a woman, I wouldn't feel a physical threat unless she was like a professional fighter or something. Oh, you'd, you'd be chuffed with yourself if that was a woman. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be having the time of your life. Yeah, I know, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it just goes to show you that like men, uh, we still have a lot to 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 learn, especially Irish-English men. And I think you're right. I think it is a mixture of repression by the Catholic Church and reliance on alcohol. Mm-hmm. I really, I actually do Northern European men. I think that's why it's it's so popular. Because um, when I was in, I was in lived in Korea for a couple of years, and you'd see businessmen walking down the street with their briefcase in one hand, fifty year old businessmen holding hands. You, you, you go to you go to the Middle East or Morocco specifically, men straight men holding hands walking Crazy. down the street, um, and just no big deal. And it's it's actually quite cute to see, like you know, two Korean businessmen holding hands. They're all like they're kind of pink, red faces, and drinking loads of um, soju, and they're they're, they're chuffed to bits. And I, I think, um, and even when I was in Paris, man, like you know, the guys meet, they they do th- four kisses on the cheek and stuff. Yeah. And it's um, yeah, it, it is part of it is definitely a culture thing. But um, I, I I plan to th- this year to do a lot more like yoga for men events. I think mm. that's um, What's your, what's your um, well, maybe not your take on yoga. Well, yeah, I suppose. But what's your, what's your experience with yoga? And that's a quite a broad word, yeah. yoga. I, I love yoga. Like I started, I originally started doing yoga because I wanted to get into meditation and I couldn't sit still mm. <laughs> and do nothing. And, and I found <laughs> like just sitting down and meditating very difficult. Um, so I started doing yoga as a kind of form of, moving meditation because i always remembered when i when i trained traditional martial arts when i was younger we did a lot of forms and kata style things with breath control which is essentially moving meditation you know and i remember connecting really well with those moving forms and they gave me a a real like there was something in it for me like that that made me feel better you know Mm. So I think that's why I gravitated towards yoga then as, as like breathing, moving, meditation. And that's, I started going to classes in Samadhi originally, actually, which is where you were teaching now. So we used to go to lunchtime classes in Samadhi. Mm. And then I branched out and I just started trying loads of different styles. And like, I'm no, I'm no yogi by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I just like moving and, I love to experience different things. So yeah, I've tried like the la- last year I went hard at Bikram in, in Dublin city Bikram yoga, mm-hmm. but I had no experience with Bikram before that. And I just went at it and I actually really enjoyed it. And I've tried all, I've tried all, all styles, I think probably at some stage. Um, but it's an amazing, it's an amazing practice, mm. uh, in terms of even just bodily function, 
like some of the biggest gains I've noticed in in flexibility and, and feeling good about certain joints in my body were through yoga for sure. Mm-hmm. Rather than stretching and you know like mm-hmm. inverted commas mobility practice, um, I think it's a powerful thing just to dedicate a certain amount of time per week to moving for the sake of opening your body up mm. and you know yeah and i think that a lot of men have a misconception about yoga that it's just i mean, i've heard people say this other men say this flat out that oh yoga is just lying around and stretching your legs mm. or you know or just a there's <laughs> not is you just breathe and think of nothing but actually particularly bikram it's um it's joe i mean joe rogan does bikram yoga and yeah. he he once said that yoga is like a martial art against yourself mm. and i love that because when i do yoga sometimes i feel really aggressive man mm. like i feel um like i'm trying to stick a handstand or i'm trying to i'm on one leg trying to do transition and it's me almost against my body but yet my body's helping me and it's just it, it's such a great physical outlet um that where you experience a spectrum of emotions not just peace and love and actually when you get to that shavasana at the end that meditation that blissful part when you've gone through the turmoil of the aggressive more aggressive poses it's so much more enjoyable Mm. it's so much more more an experience um what's your so what's your meditation practice now then so again varied like (laughs) i'm greedy with all things and I, i like to try all things so i think like aiming to be a generalist in in as many things as possible is a good way to to go Mm -hmm. you get a varied kind of view of everything so yeah i've I've tried lots of different types of meditation like mindfulness and you know visualization and all the all of these different styles and i find that breath work is probably the one that i connect with the most personally Mm -hmm. you know um and I tend to go towards like more, not aggressive styles of breath work, but towards things that pull me in a little bit more. When when I'm more involved in it, it it's it it holds me in for longer, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll get quite into like deep breath work. Mm. Uh, is that through cold water immersion or do you can do you do I do them separately, separately, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's actually very rare that I would do cold water and breath work in the same session, you know. I tend to if I'm if I'm doing cold water stuff, I tend to do it while I'm trail running or something like that. Mm. Breath work I do in the morning, you know, as part of my routine in the morning when I get up and mm. it's a nice time to do it, I think, is to move your joints a little bit do some breath work and get some oxygen flowing around the body, mm-hmm. get your brain centered, get your mind focused and then go, go forward into your day. You know, I think that's a nice time to do it. Yeah. And maybe before bed is good too, but I tend to do it in the morning. I tend to front load my day a lot like that, where I'll just like get a lot of stuff done early mm-hmm. and then kind of end up going to bed early. But you know, the, the latter half of the day won't be as, as jammed. But mm. the breathwork stuff, I'm going more towards the kind of vacuum breathing. I do a fair bit of Wim Hof style. Just I, I like the freedom of that stuff where it's like, it's not really dogmatic. There's no strict rule set with it. It's just like get as much oxygen in as you can, you know, mm. and, and then do a hold at the end. And it's really simple. 
I think the simpler it is, mm. the more you're going to do it, the Definitely. more approachable it is for most people. And, you know, just remove all of that, like, fluff that people tend to put into things to make them seem more complicated than they are. I, th I think as well, people do that maybe because they're trying to sell media oh, meditation packages. And the problem is that um, it puts people off because mm -hmm. they think, oh, well, I can't continue this on my own because there's so many ways to meditate. I mean, I don't... Uh, meditate uh, as in i don't do guided meditations or anything like that I, I do teach meditation in my class but my meditation would be five minutes at the end of yoga practice me and my girlfriend sit back to back and we breathe together i said i can feel her breathing she nice. can feel me breathing and um we do a bit, a bit of chanting as well and that's that's uh that's good for me because like you i find it hard to uh, if it's too complicated it, it, it's hard to make a habit mm. um in fact actually you know, we I, we still speaking of cold water immersion, like we still me and my girlfriend still laugh and talk about the, when we did that uh, excursion with yourself and Naomi, yeah. um, and how I was jumping into the sea, like, and it's great because your brother Danny like recorded a video of it, which is like one of my favorite videos of us jumping to sea. <laughs> I gotta say, man, that was like because. Um, yeah, that was like, <laughs> I will never forget that experience. And I, I really hope you do one of those events again, because it That's was, awesome. it was amazing. I think you should, you guys, my advice would be do more of them because mm -hmm. they'll do really well. I know we are definitely going to do more. That was like a, we were feeling out the, the, the ground, you know, with that one and just yeah. wanted to see how we could run, how we could do it. Um, mm -hmm. And like, I've been meaning to, to do something that's mixed anyway, because like I, I have a focus on men. Like I feel like that's a direction that I want to go. But I also don't want to be just like the man guy, you know. Mm. So like, there's there's something in this for everybody. Like it, like it's not just men that can benefit from this. I think we're all in the same boat now in terms of you know our lack of nature contact. Um, yeah our physical situation that we're all in, being sedentary so much of the time, our lack, lack of uh, camaraderie and tribe and connecting with people who are on the same level of us. And there's so many aspects to it that are, you know, for everybody, male or female. Mm -hmm. It's just that, you know, in from my own particular experiences, I feel like I can push towards men a bit more, but, like, I enjoy doing it with a mixed group just as much and that's why like me and Naomi connected because it was I was kind of looking for somebody a female figure that could be a part of it you know because I wouldn't feel people have said to me you should do a, a, a female one just girls um, and I was mm -hmm. like how would that work with just me you know and a group of girls like it would be different you know mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to create the experience with the same like accuracy or, or whatever mm. that, that I could with men, you know, mm. so I wouldn't feel as qualified really. Yeah. So to have some kind of strong female figure there that, that can, you know, stand for that side of it. And mm. I think the mixed event was great. It went it was really brilliant, well, man. you know. Because it brought us, me and my girlfriend closer together because I was, I'd re re reference you or um, that group. And, and then when she actually got to meet you guys and, and as you said, male female whatever gender you want to um, attach to yourself there's so it's so hard to find an excuse to go outside these days mm. especially when it's cold and just to get people outside is i think probably the most beneficial thing um so in terms of 
because it's 2019 now mm-hmm. have you got any um what's what's the next thing on you uh the next thing on the horizon for you events events wise yes i'm gonna do another rewild of man event on uh, in march okay on the equinox and then we're looking at a summer event for a mixed group and there will be i'm planning to run maybe an overnight or a two day in the summer for for men and really dig deep into like get get a little bit deeper into it Mm. you know with some long breathwork sessions Mm -hmm. and some real physical adversity if you want to put it that way and the focus on on the group and our individual parts in in each group and how we can all be a part of the group no matter what mm-hmm. our physical attributes or our mental attributes you know finding your own strengths within the group mm-hmm. and being an essential part of the group mm-hmm. which is a huge um huge self-value thing is like finding your place what do you offer to people um and what are your strengths and actually knowing that is, is a huge thing mm-hmm. get some drum drumming involved uh, late night drumming session cook some meat over a fire and just get primal with it you know and get, <laughs> get deep primal get primal with it. with it yeah get deep into that stuff because look like we all have this inside of us like so when like when you went on that day on the on the Rewild of Man day you know there's like there's something in that whole process that feels natural to us all it's like we're exerting ourselves physically. We're in a small group of men. Like this stuff has been going on for millions of years, where men have got together in groups and set out in the in the low light of dawn for whatever <laughs> reason it may be, hunting parties and war parties and all of that stuff. And I think that that's something that connects deeply with us, mm. you know. And there's something inside of us that that recognizes that, and um, and there can be a catalyst for self reflection and change in that. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. So, if people want to contact you, what's the best place to reach you? Probably through email, jodykennedy.ie at gmail.com. And my website is jodykennedy.ie. And Instagram, jodykennedy.ie as well. Yeah. And you can contact, contact me through any of those channels for sure. And that's J O D Y, everyone. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. That's it. All right, Ledge. Done. Good stuff. And there you go, folks. Or should I say yoga lifers? Do you reckon take off? We'll see. That's Mr. Jody Kennedy. Next week, I have with me the return of Mr. Devin Kelly. Devin was my first ever guest on this podcast in episode three. So you can scroll back to episode three and have a listen to um, Devin there. I'm in the process of editing that episode because we did it over WhatsApp and he's based in China. So there's a little bit of times where the sound goes and we lose signal. So I'm gonna tidy up a little bit, make it sound nice and pretty for your ears. And um, hopefully that's uh, it, it, yeah. You're, if, it, if it's uploaded, scroll across to episode 35 with Devin. Message me, get in touch. It's wicked now, people are sending me um, voicemails. So yeah, so send me like a voicemail uh, through my direct message in Instagram if you've got any questions or feedback and then I can answer that live on air well not live but I can answer that on air and uh, it makes it a bit more interactive so feedback, questions, reviews please, yes, thank you uh, see you next week have a good one